What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And on this episode, we will be living the shark life in my review of Maneater. This season on Maneater, everyone's fighting off more than they can shoot. First things first, guys, we always start with the story. So in Maneater, the game is going to begin with you as the player. You're going to be controlling a mother shark. But at the time the game starts, you don't know that you're pregnant. Uh, basically, you're going to be playing as a mother bull shark. And after some late night snacking on some nearby humans, it's going to draw the attention of our arch nemesis in this game, uh, who goes by the name of Scaly Pete. Now, Scaly Pete is a shark hunter who spent his life hunting sharks, obviously, uh, which is a tradition that he has carried on from his father. Now, eventually, throughout some uh, back and forth, he's going to capture you, and all this is being done on film because Scaly Pete happens to be a part of this reality show uh, that has been following him in his search for the elusive, uh, you know, mega shark is what he's been going after all these years. So ultimately, unfortunately, uh, for the mama bull shark, he does end up catching her. And uh, at this point, he's going to be in the bayou. Why he goes back to the bayou, I don't know. But he takes you back to the bayou and he strings you up. And he is doing all this on camera, slices you open, and out pops a little baby pup shark. Well, in the process of this, the pup shark ends up latching onto Scaly Pete's arm chomping it off in the process of him slicing you and scarring you. That way he can find you later and track you down and designate that's the shark that took my arm. I'm taking the shark back. So this is pretty much how the game starts out. And from this point, you are in the bayou as a tiny little pup shark. So the game's story follows you from a pup shark throughout its life. Uh, you're going to evolve from a pup shark all the way to a mega shark by the end of the game. Uh, and as the shark continues to evolve, the game does check back in with Scaly Pete periodically uh, just to kind of see what he's up to and uh, what kind of crazy new means that he's created for tracking or attempting to take out uh, you as the shark that took his arm. So basically, guys, it's a revenge story from both sides, actually. Uh, essentially, if you think about it, you have the shark on one side who's out to get revenge on Scaly Pete for killing their mother. 
And then you have Scaly Pete, who's out to get revenge on the shark that took his arm. So actually uh, pretty interesting, but ultimately uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I thought that the story was pretty good. Uh, it, it never really took itself too seriously, uh, but also it never got too campy, which I thought personally was crucial to the success of the game and of the game's story is walking that fine line between camp and seriousness. And uh, the the finale was pretty interesting. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it in the way that it tied everything together and, and uh, that, that final face-off, so to speak. Um, and the reality-style show approach to the way that the game was shot and the, the story cutscenes in between different regions and things that you're going to explore in the game, I thought they were actually really uh, cool, and, and I got into it. But uh, the bottom line is... The story was pretty basic, uh, and, and you know it, it was right to be. You know you don't need to go too detailed uh, in a game like this, uh, and I really enjoyed it for being that and just kind of being exactly what it needed to be, if that makes sense. So overall, the story was good. Definitely, uh, probably enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and now let's move on and talk about the graphics and sound. So guys, I got to tell you, in this game, I thought that, I'll just come out and say it, the graphics were great. Uh, it was absolutely a beautiful game. There are eight different regions that you're going to be exploring in this game, and, and graphically, visually, all eight of them were very unique and distinguishable and different from one another. Uh, you start out, as I said, in the bayou, the swamps, you got the greenish, yellowish, brownish, murky water. Uh, it's played perfectly, the different sea life that's within those waters, the uh, floor of the bayou swamps, the, the muddy looking areas, everything looks perfectly like you would expect in a swamp. Then you go to the different industrialized lake area uh, that has all the different human waste and, and things of that nature that's been dumped in it. And then you go out into uh, ultimately the Gulf, which is just an absolute beautiful area with coral reefs and just the depth of which you can actually go uh, to the bottom of the ocean floor in those areas was it, you actually felt that and it it looked like that uh, so just visually underwater everything was beautiful and just looked very much distinguishable in each region now obviously there are above water areas that you can see and you when you crest and you have your shark fin popped up above the surface of the water and you're zooming around looking for collectibles or whatever the case may be, uh, the environments are not as good as what's underwater. And it makes sense because 99% of your time playing this game, you're going to be underwater. Now, I'm not saying that they're bad because they're not bad. It's just the detail and the attention to detail that's underwater is not as much there uh, in the above water areas. Uh, I will say that the lighting uh, that is done, there, the game is on a day-night cycle. So when you have sunlight, it's absolutely gorgeous seeing the sunlight come through the water, the surface of the water, and how it plays on the environments underneath water. And the coral, uh, especially, there's different areas of coral when you go into the grottos, which is kind of like your safe havens uh, throughout the course of the game. Uh, the, the way the coral is on the walls of the caves and, and areas that you explore, and even on the ocean floor, uh, they just look beautiful. The, the bright colors of them and whatnot. Uh, the detail in your shark is also very good, in my opinion. Uh, just in general, the scar that Scaly Pete leaves on your fin, 
Uh, and even as you progress through the game with different cosmetic upgrades and, and additions to your shark, uh, the, the details in these things are, are pretty awesome. Um, the aquatic life that you encounter throughout your playtime is also very well detailed. Uh, and the only thing that I would say graphically that was kind of like ah, outside of the above water areas were the character models of the humans. Uh, they were very much um, kind of cartoonish looking. And I don't mean that in a negative way. They didn't look bad. That's not what I'm saying. But they just kind of looked like cartoon characters. And I know it was done intentionally that way. Uh, it, I guess it was okay. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a, a detriment to the game. It was just I, I didn't feel like it fully meshed with the graphical style of the rest of the game, if that makes sense. So overall, uh, graphics and uh, lighting effects and and all the above uh, were overall really well done. As for the sound, uh, I personally thought the best part of the sound in the game was by far the narrator, who is voiced by none other than Chris Parnell. So some of you listeners, you probably will know his voice. You may not know his name, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in Rick and Morty, Archer. He was an anchorman. Uh, bottom line is his narration as you progress through the game, is just classic. Uh, he'll pop up and just randomly say things about the new areas that you go into. Uh, he'll give descriptions about some of the collectible landmarks that you can find, and those are usually pretty funny. Uh, his comments about eating humans, and just in general, the the, the wastefulness of, of us as, as humans, where all the trash that we throw into the oceans and the water. Everything is done tongue-in-cheek, though, and, and it's done just great. Uh, his tone of voice and the way he says it, it's just, it's so good. Uh, and, and I personally thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, his commentary. Uh, now, the voice acting otherwise uh, of, say, Scaly Pete, uh, his son Kyle, who does show up in a few scenes, uh, you know, you have random hunters that come after you, uh, random humans that you'll encounter, obviously, and there are some of the staff uh, of the reality show that you'll hear their voices. Overall, voice acting was done really well. It, it came across real, real well. And uh, I personally love Scaly Pete's voice actor as well. I just, for whatever reason, if this makes sense, he sounded like what I would assume a grizzled shark hunter would sound. Uh, let me see if I can do his voice here. It was along the lines of, you know, when you hunt a shark... There's some blood there. there. It's personal when you hunt a shark. I, I don't know. I That's the closest I can do, guys. But I really, really enjoyed his voice. Um, the music, I thought, was great. It was honestly, there was this just kind of quiet, beautiful melody that kind of played in the background. Kind of almost whimsical as well. Uh, that just kind of floated with you uh, throughout the course of your random exploration. Now, there were times that I thought it was great. In my opinion, they paid homage to the Jaws uh, theme song uh, when things got pretty intense and uh, you were encountering different uh, humans and, and things of that nature. So that was really cool. And just in general, I, I thought they did a really, really good job uh, with the music. You know, your basic sound effects, they, they were great. They fit the material perfectly, in my opinion. Motorboats that go by uh, above you as you're just kind of swimming and idle underwater. Uh, the, the echo, if you guys, I'm sure everybody at one point or another has gone swimming. And when you're underwater, there's just kind of this muffledness. And, and the way that that sound comes through, it comes through perfectly and is replicated greatly in this game. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially when you get to the gulf and the bigger open areas of, of water, it's really beautiful 
when you're just kind of sitting there swimming around and you can hear the sounds of whales or seals or just different aquatic life. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that and felt that it added to the immersion of the game. Uh, and, and it was just a lot uh, to take in and, and to, to bring you into that world, uh, in my opinion. Uh, definitely the chomping and biting noises uh, of you as the shark, the splashes, uh, all, the, all the basic sound effects, they were spot on. So overall, the sound was excellent, in my opinion. All right, guys, so let's talk about the controls. So when playing Maneater, you're going to be playing from a third-person perspective. It uses a twin analog control scheme, and I was uh, using an Xbox controller. I played this on an Xbox One X. Uh, the controls are very tight, and they are very well done, uh, I personally thought. You're going to use your right trigger as your bite and attack uh, command. The left trigger is to help you speed up as you're swimming through the different bodies of water. Uh, you can crest and, and kind of line yourself up to jump straight up through the, uh, the ocean surface. And when you do that, you can actually press A to, to jump higher or to continue to try to keep jumping uh, even higher in the air once you're in the air. Uh, you can dodge with the left bumper. Uh, B and Y are actually going to be used to help you use special, special abilities. Uh, say you have a sonar ability, which is helpful for you know sending out kind of a pulse. And it shows you all the enemies or just random fish or even collectibles it'll bring up on your map and uh, you can see those and where they are uh, nearby so sonar a huge huge help as far as an, a great ability to have on hand uh, you know another ability that I had was a poison bite move that uh, I had that I had my uh, shark who I actually named Benchley by the way I, I will put that out there I'll reference her as Benchley from now on um, Benchley, for those of you that don't know, is the last name of Peter Benchley, who is the author of Jaws. So kind of paying homage to uh, that line of shark media, I figured uh, it kind of fit to name my shark Benchley. So either way, just a little side note. Uh, but the, con the controls felt very natural, and the movements uh, from what the shark make as you're swimming or cresting or jumping... They all looked extremely realistic, and it definitely looked to me as if the developers had spent a lot of time really fine-tuning and making sure that they put a lot of TLC into making sure that this shark looked and controlled uh, just like you would expect uh, the, the real thing to do. So uh, they, they added a lot of the immersion uh, to making me believe I was a shark as well. And that was one thing that I really appreciated about this game is it just really did uh, make me feel like I was a shark. And everything kind of ties together to, to complete that immersion. And the controls were no different. Uh, map navigation, I thought was great. Uh, you know, you have your basic zoom in, zoom out feature, uh, which some games I personally feel they don't zoom in enough. Uh, but for me, I thought this was great. Uh, definitely zoomed into my liking. Uh, you do have fast travel options between those grottos mentioned earlier, uh, as well as the uh, collectibles. Um, once you find them with that sonar pulse, or even sometimes you can just uh, have them pop up on your map if you're just traveling nearby them. Uh, there were times where I didn't even realize that I had passed by a collectible and I would look at my map just to kind of get my bearings and boom, there was a question mark. Or uh, if you were able to tell, like say you used your sonar pulse, it'll no longer be a question mark. It'll be say a collectible license plate or whatever the case may be. So I uh, definitely thought the map did a great job. Uh, in this kind of a game, when you have a lot of collectibles and things of this nature, 
I, I think it, you almost have to have or it, it's it's at least preferable to me to have uh, a good designation of them on the map once you discover them. So I thought they did a really good job, the developers, of uh, making sure that was implemented. Now, I will say that the one issue I have with controls, there are some times when you go after these license plate collectibles that I mentioned that you have to line up your jumps. And I really kind of uh, compare it to back in the day playing Tony Hawk and you're trying to collect skate and you've gotten SK and T and E, but you need that A and you see it up there floating in the air and you got to figure out how to line up that jump and time it just perfectly to get there to it. That's kind of how a lot of the license plates were in Maneater. And it was very frustrating sometimes when you would line up these jumps and I would go at the angle and boom, you, you crest out of the water and you would press A to jump and I'd start going backwards and I'm away from the license plate. And I'm like, what is going on? What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you're going away from the collectible. So uh, there were moments, multiple moments like that where the, the jumping would kind of go in the opposite direction of what uh, I was intending it to. And when you're on land, you can't spend very minimal amount of time on land because obviously a shark is a fish and therefore needs to be in water and breathe uh, through its gills. Now, when you're on water, you can kind of hop around. And it was very, very precise uh, when you're hopping around on water. You had to have the analog stick aimed in the exact direction uh, that you're trying to jump and it, it was just frustrating uh, in, in many moments. Um, the only other time with uh, controls where they were kind of frustrating, certain combat encounters uh, that are pretty intense. If you're fighting apex predators or uh, just a, a bigger predator in the area, uh, a lot of times there would just be kind of chaos and trying to realign yourself and get your bearings and find where they're coming from to attack you. Or if you're sitting there both trying to bite at each other, uh, sometimes it can be very disorienting and trying to reacclimate yourself to position yourself better to uh, continue the fight from you know a better advantage point. Um, it, it could be frustrating to try to line that back up. So outside of those couple of issues, uh, overall, I felt that the controls were really good. So now we're going to move on to the gameplay. And you're going to live the life of a bull shark, guys. Uh Basically, this has been touted as kind of a, a shark RPG. As I said before, you're going to have eight regions to explore. And the side activities, a couple of which I've mentioned, there's going to be a ton of side activities that you can do within each of these regions. Uh, there's the license plate collectibles that I mentioned earlier. Uh, basically, they're just giant floating license plates that are in specific areas that you just have to either... Uh, get close enough to chomp them down uh, or you know, make that jump, as I said, as well. And uh, still, you got to press the bite button and, and grab them, I guess, so to speak, with your jaws in a sense. Uh, there are also apex predators that each region has its own apex predator. Now, the interesting thing here is you have to do, unfortunately, what I felt was kind of a uh, one of the more, uh, I, I won't say boring because boring sounds so heavy, but uh, one of the lesser enjoyable side activities to do, which they called population control in the game. And say there's the uh, you know a school of grouper fish and there's different locations around the region. Say there's three of them. You go to each three of these areas of grouper fish and you got to eat 10 grouper fish. And the reason you do this or the game makes you do this is because once you take out all three different areas, 
The grouper in that region say were the main source of protein and nutrients and food for the mako shark, who in that area is the apex predator. So you clear out the population control and it lures out or brings out the apex predator, who is basically like, uh, you know, the ultimate version of that animal, uh, if you will. So, you know, you, you go and then you seek out the apex predator and you have essentially like a, a mini boss fight. Uh, with this apex predator and then wants you to feed them usually it gives you uh, an unlock to uh, purchase a new ability uh, that's usually pretty cool uh, then you have a uh, typically there's uh, other i guess it's the same exact thing as the apex predator but it's uh, shark hunters and what you have to do in these moments is there'll be the same kind of thing as population control with the fish but it's with humans and say you go to these different locations and you eat XYZ amount of humans. And once you do that, then you have shark hunters who come out after you. And then you have to destroy X amount of boats, uh, which then raises your uh, infamy level. And once you raise that level all the way, uh, there's like another mini boss, essentially, that's a shark hunter that is chasing you down with uh, a boat and different special kind of weapons and things of that nature that you're going to have to take out at that point. Uh, those were very also uh, less enjoyable to me uh, because they were very repetitive and they usually took a while it felt like it took I mean maybe it was only five minutes but it was the longest five minutes it felt like each time that you had to lure out one of these bounty hunters and there's 10 of them in the game and uh, I don't even know why they had 10 because there's eight regions so I could see if they had one for each region but I felt like 10 was maybe a little bit too many uh, but the bottom line is uh, that is, is one of the lesser enjoyables along with the population control. Um, but there's also other collectibles like nutrient caches, uh, which are just kind of, you know, crates that are on the ocean floor somewhere that when you bite them, uh, you get a ton of proteins and nutrients uh, that are added to your overall protein nutrient total. Uh, so with all of those things and the nutrients and whatnot, you add up to basically level up and evolve your shark. And over the course of the game, you're going to evolve from a pup to a teen, an adult, an elder, and then ultimately a mega shark. And throughout your evolution, you're going to unlock these cool armors and abilities for your sharks by doing different things that I mentioned earlier. Uh, cosmetically, there's multiple categories of styles for your shark's appearance. Uh, say bone, shadow, and electrical-based styles. Now, I outfitted, personally, I outfitted Benchley in the shadow armor and the shadow abilities for my style of play. And each style, it gives different bonuses and abilities to your shark. So, for instance, I had the shadow teeth equipped on Benchley, and this gave her the ability to poison an enemy on the bite and therefore continue to slowly drain away the health, even if they were trying to swim away from me or whatnot. Uh, and then the more you upgrade that ability uh, to its maximum, uh, which every ability has a maximum of tier five. Uh, it's bite damage and sustain damage obviously increases. Uh, and, and like the bone skin, for instance, that'll be, uh, you know, a higher damage resistance, uh, essentially armor is, is what that would be. Uh, and allows you to take more bites and hits from enemies, etc. So the way that you purchase these abilities and how you upgrade them are through those nutrients and proteins that you get from eating other fish and predators, as well as humans. Uh, and those nutrient cash collectibles are uh, a really, really big help in figuring out uh, how to best level up uh, at the quickest pace. Now, in order to level up and change these abilities that we're talking about, 
you have to travel back to the grottos in each region. And uh, as I mentioned before, they're kind of like a safe zone for your shark. And it's the only place in the game that you can acquire and switch out abilities, which I really wish that they would have let you switch out the abilities that you've already purchased while you were out in the regions, just kind of swimming around instead of having to go all the way back to the grottos. Uh, and that's where also the game saves your progress is in these grottos. So, you know, just make sure that you're returning to the grottos often, just not for the just the save, but also to kind of check in and see what other abilities that you can upgrade with the new proteins and nutrients that you've acquired since last time, as well as any upgrades that you can, uh, you know, new upgrades that you can purchase. Uh, there is a fast travel option. So once you unlock the grotto and find it, you can fast travel back to it at any time, except during combat. So ultimately, you live the life of a shark, exploring the wastefulness and destruction of humans against the waters and oceans of the world, uh, as you evolve your shark enough to take revenge on Scaly Pete. Now it's time for my final thoughts on Maneater. Ultimately, guys, I really enjoyed this game. It looked, sounded, and played great, and I mean, honestly, it was just a lot of fun experiencing the life of a shark. It was a unique experience that was, honestly, it's unlike anything out there. I've never played a game like this before, ever, uh, where you, whether it's a shark or any other kind of animal, I just think it was really well done. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it enough to go after all the collectibles and the side activities and got all 1,000 gamer score. Uh, overall, it took me about 20 hours to, to play the game, and... Personally, I thought it was well worth it, and I would highly recommend giving the game uh, a shot. Even with the $40 price tag, I, I felt that it was worth that. Now, there's only a few blemishes on the experience, and you know, the first was the controls during some of those jumping mo uh, moments, as well as the heated combat that I had referenced. The next were those shark bounty hunters, and the repetitiveness of them, and the amount of them. Uh, the final issue I had was a save glitch that I did mention in a previous Captain's Quarters episode of mine where if you left the game in standby and you turn off your console, when you come back, the game will not have saved your progress or your, your achievements at that point. You're not going to get them to pop. Uh, for me, that was a glaring blemish on my experience. And uh, thankfully, I only lost, uh, it only happened to me once. I learned my lesson the one time, that was enough for me, and I did lose an hour of progress that I had to replay due to this problem. Uh, so just make sure that you guys save often at those grottos, constantly go back to the grottos. So outside of these issues, everything else I felt was great, the immersion, and that is why I will be giving Maneater an 8.5 out of 10. That'll do it for my review of Maneater. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and I would love to hear what your thoughts were on the game as well. You guys can join the crew and reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com or on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming, as well as on Twitter at lostatseagamin1. Again, thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.